0: I'm excited not only to have our church family joining us right here in this room, but today we also have our other campuses joining us. We have Higher Vision Blythe joining us. We have Higher Vision Santa Paula um, joining us live right now. We have people in our online campus in San Bernardino, Texas, Arizona, Hawaii, Michigan, all over the valley. Can you do something? Can you put your hands together? Welcome all your church family. Welcome. Welcome. Wow, it's awesome. Isn't it amazing? All these locations all together at one time, worshiping, learning, growing together. I want you to stand to your feet. We've been in the book of Ruth and we've been reading this verse. What we've learned is that our culture has kind of lost the spirit of honor. And we're, we're taking it back in Jesus' name, amen? As Christians, we're, we're learning what that really means. And this is the verse that we've been reading. It's a, a verse about honor, really, that Ruth shared with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And I want everyone to read it. By now, many of you probably haven't memorized And by the way, if you've missed some of the sermons, you can go back to our YouTube channel, look at Vision Church, go to the app, and you can actually catch up as we talk about this focus of honor. Let's read what Ruth said to Naomi. Ready? Come on, let's all say it together. Come on, I want to hear all the way out in Blythe and all the way out in Santa Paula. Here we go. Ready? But Ruth replied, wherever I will go, wherever I will live, your people and your God will be my God. Man, I love hearing you guys quote Scripture like that. Come on, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, wow, what a beautiful day. A day that that you made, and we will rejoice in it. Holy Spirit, we open up to you right now. Speak through this vessel. Speak truth. When we walk out of the room, let no one say, wow, that was an interesting story or that was a cool thought. Lord, let us leave saying, God, I heard what you said. Lord, make us people of honor. Anoint our hearts and minds and make us ready to receive every truth. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believes that, shouted, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Woo. Well, I want to give you the cliff notes if you've been missing the last few weeks of the book of Ruth, because we've learned that the book of Ruth teaches us different concepts of honor. It starts off with a story about a woman named Naomi. She's married to a man named Elimelech, they had two sons. There was a great recession in Israel, a famine and there wasn't a lot of jobs, there wasn't a lot of food, and what happens? They leave and go to the land of the Moabites. When they're there, the two sons get married to Moabite women, and then the two sons and the husband, Elimelech, all die. Naomi's left a widower. She's widowed, and all she has now is two daughter-in-laws. One's name is Oprah, I mean Orpah, and the other's name is Ruth. And what happens is uh, Orpah ends up going back to her family. But Ruth makes the statement we read just a moment ago, which basically is saying, if I have to remain single, if I have to leave my family and friends, if I have to leave my country, my town, and to be your caregiver for the rest of my life, I'll do it because I'm going to honor you. And we've learned that this book is about honor. And in week one, we learned that honor is about obedience. That if we want to honor God, we need to obey him. What happened is the book begins with dishonor because... Elimelech and his wife, they go to the land of the Moabites in this tough time economically. And the Bible tells tells us that God had cursed the Moabites. He said, don't ever live with the Moabite. Don't ever marry a Moabite. And they dishonor God. And of course, some consequences come. Some terrible, tragic things take place. So we learned that week one that we honor through obedience. In week two, we learned we honor through hard work. God's called us to be hard workers and to honor in that way. And then in week three, we learned last weekend that we need to be Um, to honor God with generosity, right? That we need to be people who are kind and that the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. So what I wanna do now is I wanna jump into chapter three. Now I told you that we're gonna talk about the kinsman redeemer last week and I lied. Not intentionally. (laughs) We're gonna talk about it next week because as I started studying, God showed me something pretty powerful and so we're gonna get there next week and we'll wrap it all up with the kinsman redeemer. So I wanna jump in now to chapter three. If you have a Bible, turn there. And your Bible is to Ruth chapter 3. If you're doing it on your phone, you can go there as well. We're in the New Living Translation. So now this is Naomi, and she's speaking to her daughter-in-law, Ruth. You ready? Here we go. One day, Naomi says to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found you a permanent home so that you will be provided for. Now do as I tell you you read along, you'll hear what she says. And then it says that Ruth replies, I will do everything you say, she replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. I know it made some of you nervous right now. Where is he going with this? She listened to her mother-in-law. Basically, her mother-in-law says, hey, I got some advice for you. Here's what the advice is. Now, I know that that might be something some of you might not want to hear, but today we're going to talk about this concept of advice. And so since we're talking about advice, since Naomi gave Ruth some advice, I decided maybe I should give some of us advice. So I went online and I found some advice for all of us in the house today. Anybody ready for some advice? Come on. Yeah. Out in Santa Paula, Blythe, you guys ready for some advice? You ready? Here's, here we go. Come on, get your pens ready. You don't, you don't want to write this down. First piece of advice. Deep thoughts with Jared Ming. You ready? Here we go. Kind of flashing back for some of you. All right, here we go. Ready? First piece of advice. Always swim with a friend because your chances of getting eaten by a shark drop by 50%. Come on. Good advice right there. Okay, just making sure you're awake. Another piece of advice. You ready? Here we go. Borrow money from a pessimist because they won't expect you to pay it back. Come on. Come on. Anybody thankful for good advice? All right, here's another little piece of advice for you. You ready? If life gives you avocados, make guacamole. Come on, somebody. All right, living on the positive side of life there. Ready? Anybody ready for some more advice? All right, here we go. Ready? If you can't reach what you want, get a ladder. You are a little tired this morning, just trying to wake you up. All right, here, here's one that came from, my wife would give this advice. You ready? If the shoe fits, buy it in every color. Come on, all the women said amen. All the men aren't so excited about that piece of advice. All right, I got two more for you. Here's some really important advice. Ready, you ready? Don't yell at your kids. Lean in real close and whisper. It's much scarier. Come on, all the parents said amen to that advice. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, are not gonna respond or raise your hand no matter what I do. You're like, my advice is don't respond. Last piece of advice, the best to save the best for last. You ready? Here we go. When life gives you lemons, put them in the freezer and throw them at people who make life difficult. Come on. Forget lemonade, throw Lemons. It's really like, man, pastor is feisty this morning. Whew. Come on, is everybody awake and ready for some advice? Because the Bible is filled with it. In fact, I want to give you the big thought for the weekend because it begins with a mother-in-law giving advice to a daughter-in-law. And as I begin to study the scriptures, here's what i discovered about honor. Honor isn't just about generosity or working hard or obedience, but if you want to honor God, you ready? Write this down. The big, big bumper sticker, honor God by listening. Honor God by listening. Come on, how many have seen the video of the little kid who's getting in trouble? His mom is named Linda, and the whole time, what does he say? He's like, "Listen, listen, Linda, 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 listen. Look it, look at Linda." Come on, let me know I've seen. The video. The big message this weekend, I think God is saying, is, "Listen, listen. Look, look it, look it. You you honor God." when you listen. What what we find at the beginning of this is that a daughter-in-law named Ruth, she honored her mother-in-law, a person who was put in a position of honor and authority in her life. And what did she do? She honored by listening and receiving input. I just wanna take a few minutes to, to, to acknowledge that you and I, we need input. We need to receive input. Let me tell you why she needed input, because her first response could be, and we'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute, but it's like, no, no, I'm good, got this. But instead, she received why. Here's why she needed to receive input, because she was a Moabite woman. She was from the land of Moab. She served a different false god. They had a different cultural standard for dating She didn't know what she needed to do when it came to the kinsman redeemer. She didn't know what the social etiquette was for the land of Israel. She didn't know how you followed the protocol for finding a man in Israel. Here's the point, ready? We don't know what we don't know. The reason that we need input, the reason we need to be teachable and listen is because we don't know what we don't know. I had a pastor recently call me and here's what he said. He said, Jared, I've been pastoring this church for 18 years and I, I, if it's possible, could I come and spend time with you? Could I, could I just talk some things through with you? Because we, we keep growing to 200 and then we go back down. And we grow to 200 and we grow back down. And I've realized now after 18 years that there's just a lot of stuff that I don't know. Bottom line is we don't know what we don't know. And so we need input. We need advice. In fact, did you know the Bible is chock full of saying that we need to value input and advice in our life? In fact, can I read you some verses? Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. It says, Those who take advice are wise. Come on, that's good. Somebody say amen. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13. People who despise advice are just asking for trouble. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. Plans go wrong because you're not getting advice. In fact, many advisors bring success. Come on, how many want to see success in your life? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be willing to listen. Look at, look at, listen. <laughs> verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 20. Get all the advice and instruction you can. Why? So you will be wise for the rest of your life. We all need input, but here's what could have happened. What could have happened in the story, which I, I think Ruth could have done what a lot of us do, and that is, well, yeah, I, I would, but that's just my mother-in-law. Now let me just unpack that for a little while. That's just my mother-in-law. Here's what we say: I'm good. I got this. You don't need to help me find a man. Have you heard of ChristianMingle.com? I'm good. I know what I'm doing. But here's what happens. As we do what happened to Jesus, Jesus went to his hometown. When he got to his hometown, this is in the book of Mark, he's there and he begins to give them input from the scripture. But watch what happens. They don't listen, really. They say, ah, that's just, wait a minute. I know this sounds pretty good, but That's just the son of Mary. You you remember him? Remember he made a table for you? Remember the one that was kind of wobbly, that one? It's just Jesus, the son of Mary. And the Bible says that because of that, in fact, Jesus addresses it. He said this. He said, when a prophet is in his own nation, he's not honored. And the word honor there in the Greek means to value or to esteem. The word dishonor means to treat common and ordinary. So now watch what happens. Because the people in Jesus' hometowns said, that's just my mother-in-law. They treated common and ordinary what was being given to them by someone who'd been placed in a position of honor in their lives. Watch what happens. The Bible says that Jesus, and let me stop, by the way. This is Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus could not do, it doesn't say that he didn't do, or he chose not to do, the Bible says that he could not do very many miracles among them. Let me just stop and say it this way. Because they weren't honoring and listening to the people that God had placed in their life, they limited the divine flow of God's promise and blessing into their life. That's just my coach. He didn't know what he's talking about. That's just my teacher, that's just my dad, that's just my grandpa, that's just my father-in-law, that's just like, who has God placed in your life that you should be listening to? Whose advice are you treating common? Maybe it's your spouse, because the Bible says we're to honor one another, and now because you're treating that input from your spouse common, you have a common Jesus, and you have a common marriage. Look it, look it, listen. Come on, anybody out there, say amen. amen. You honor when you listen. Here's what's interesting is that we all have the excuse. I'll tell you the excuse that she could have had, and, and it's the excuse that we all come up with, and here's our excuse. You ready? It's this. It's like, well, um, I'll listen when they have earned the right. Then I'll listen. You know, it reminds me of a story. And um, this story is about a pastor and his wife, and they were meeting with another couple, and this couple, their marriage was in shambles. And as they began to meet, the, the wife just kept dishonoring the husband in the in the conversation, just kept bagging on the husband, dishonoring the husband. Finally, the pastor's wife was had enough, and she looks at him and she said, You know what? Um, You know, you shouldn't dishonor your husband the way you're doing right now. And the woman looks at her and says, you know what? If my husband was half the man that your husband was, I could honor him. And then the wife looked back, the pastor's wife looked back at the wife and said, maybe my husband is the man that he is because I honor him. Because maybe what you gift them will lift them. You see, well, wait, wait, if they've earned it, listen, respect is earned, but honor is given. So respect is about who they are, honor is about who you are. It determines who you believe God is. Do you believe that God has placed people in your life? Are you willing to, re- to honor his process in your life? Look it, look it, listen. Yes. Linda, listen. Come on, anybody ready to listen today? Say Amen. Yes amen so here's what we're going to do we've set the stage that we honor when we listen and sometimes we div- and can i just stop and say obviously there are situations and examples where you have someone maybe who's an unbeliever or someone who has an angle and they're giving you bad advice and all of that kind of thing. We'll address that at the end more. But can I say, when I'm preaching on on a topic and I'm leaning into a topic, I can't always go through and give every example and situations to counterbalance because there's just not enough time. So I expect you to fill in those blanks. You all with me, Amen. Amen and to use wisdom, but godly wisdom in the process. The problem is, is that many times we devalue any input because we just don't like or we have a problem with and we don't understand the power of honor. You all with me? So you honor when you listen. So let's go back now and let's look at the advice that Naomi gives her, because there's some powerful truths for us in our life so that we can walk into God's best, his blessings. You all with me? So now remember, here's the context. She's saying, you need a man. So here's what you need to do. Here's a piece of advice for you. You ready? This is hilarious. So now let's read the advice that Naomi gives her. Ready? Take a bath. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, if you got a junior hire somebody say amen. Take a bath. And put on some deodorant. Come on, somebody say amen. That's the advice she gives her. She says, take a bath. And put on some cologne, some perfume, and dress in your nicest clothes. And then go to the threshing floor. And be sure to notice where Boaz, this guy, lays down. When I read this, here's what God showed me of the advice that Naomi is giving to Ruth that she needed to listen to. I think we all need to listen to. If you want to step into God's best, here's the first thought. Write it down. Change it up. Change it up. Don't think you're going to get Mr. Handsome if you're still wearing your dirty old field work clothes, all stained with dirt from harvesting the crop, smelly, living in your past, still being a woman who's a mourner because she lost her husband, still living in your pain. You gotta change it up. It reminds me of the story. What is the story? It's the story of, of David. And remember he was praying for his son to be healed and so he was in this moment of crisis and so he's fasting and he's praying he won't eat any food. He won't take a bath. He's wearing his old clothes with sackcloth and ashes and then suddenly there's a change and what happens? His son dies and they're worried, what's he going to do now? And when he hears that his son has died, he actually stands up and says, give me give me a bath. Draw me a bath. Give my spi- my, my, uh, my uh, uh, spices and ointments ready. Get my perfume ready to go. My cologne ready to go. Give me a new set of clothes, and he he begins to change, and and suddenly they're like, what's going on? He said, hey, I can't, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. What's he saying? He's saying, you know what? It's time to change it up. It's a new season. I can't keep living in the past. You know, some of you are wondering why you're not living in God's best, and it's because six years ago, you went through a bad divorce, but what you don't realize is that you're still wearing those clothes. You still smell like it, you still sound like it, you still look like it. You know, isn't it interesting that she had to change her appearance to be ready for dating. Because she was sending off a scent. She was giving a signal Could it be that a lot of us are missing out on God's best because we're still living in the past? We're still wearing our old clothes. We're still talking about the same old problems. And we're sending off a signal. And we wonder why nobody's attracted to the new season. God wants you. What is insanity? It's doing the same thing but expecting a different result. Maybe the message for us today is it's time to quit living in our past. Quit living in our pain. Take a bath. Get your cologne on. Put on some new clothes and step into a new season. I'm ready and I'm available. Come on, somebody. Anybody ready and available for God's blessings? Anybody ready and available for a new season? Change it up. Now what's interesting is you keep reading it's it's, it's all throughout that whole verse. She didn't say just change your clothes. She says put on The oil makes me think of the anointing oil. David, God had a new season for him. You've been the shepherd, but I'm going to make you a king. So what did he do? He anointed with oil. Because this anointing, it's a symbol. It's a statement. You're stepping into a new season. When a priest was called to be a priest, they would anoint him with oil. Jesus, remember when Jesus was about to step into a new season where he was going to be crucified and then die and rise again? What happens? A woman comes and she anoints oil on his feet. Why? Because the anointing oil represents a new season. I don't know about you, but God is saying, why don't we say, Holy Spirit, let your anointing rest on me. Give me a new fragrance. Give me a new scent. Let people see something different. I'm tired of living in the old. God said I'll do a new thing. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Take off the old man and put on the new. Change it up. Somebody say change it up. Change it up. In fact before we move on even at the end of the verse he says the same thing. She says the same thing. She says put on new clothes but not only that Go to the threshing floor. In other words, God can't do the next season in your life if you stay in the field. Change it up. It's time for something new. Some of you, maybe God's calling you to canyon country. He's saying, change it up. Because there's a new field and a new promise. And a new blessing that I have waiting for you. Somebody say, "Change it up!" Come on, some good advice. Amen. A little bit better than the lemons. Come on, somebody. A little better than the lemons. Let's read some more of the story. After she says, "Change it up, change your clothes, put on some, you know, deodorant, go to the threshing floor, look for Boaz." Then here's what she says. By the way, don't let don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. When I read this, I started thinking to myself, God, what is that? What's the advice for us? What's God saying if we're gonna step in? If we're gonna be people who listen, not only do we need to change it up, but secondly, here's what you need to do. Don't show your cards. Now, how many out there, you know, family get together, you'll play cards? Come on, fish. How many grew up playing fish? Come on, how many grew up playing Uno? Come on, how many grew up playing Speed. How I many I mean, you are still playing Texas Hold'em? Okay, here. you don't want to raise your hand. It's okay, you're in church. I, I don't, I mean. My family, we like to play the game Rook. And my dad would always play Rook. We'd need a third guy. When the kids, especially, were small, they were kind of too young to really understand the game. And so there would be the three brothers, Wayman, Jared, and um, Brian, and then we needed a fourth. And so dad said, I'll play. The thing is, is, it was kind of like, who has to play with dad kind of a thing? The reason why is because my dad would just get caught up in the conversation and the fun and everything around him would be laughing and would hold his hand like this all the time. (laughs) And of course, he would always end up with Wayman and Wayman would be like, Dad, you're showing your cards again. I'm like, Dad, awesome, you're showing your cards again. Because when he'd showed his cards, it made it so much easier to win at the game. I got to thinking about it and I thought about how many people here we start to get a new season, a new vision, a new direction but we end up showing our cards too quickly. You see, the Bible says that a wise man discerns time and judgment. It says it another way, it says there is a proper way to do things and a proper time to do it. The Bible says don't cast your pearl before swine. There's a lot of times where people like Joseph, remember he got a dream that he was gonna rule his family and what happened? He didn't have a lot of wisdom and so he just started showing his cards and the next thing you know he's in a pit. Instead of on his way to the palace. Now, we know God still took him to the palace, and it was God's process in his life. But I just wonder, how many of us are in a pit because we showed our cards too soon? Maybe the thought, then, is simply this, is that you need to pray it before you say it. Amen, Pastor Jared you need to pray it before you say it. In other words, maybe instead of every thought that comes to our mind we tell everyone that we know about it, maybe we sit down and we think about it and we get some input from the right people and we get some advice and we put things in order and we prepare the way and we plan because there's a pr- proper way and a proper time to do everything. Change it up. Don't show your cards. Here's the third piece of advice. Y'all still ready? Come on, say amen. Amen. Then she goes on to say, when you get there and you see where he's at, he falls asleep, everybody falls asleep, then you come and you lay at his feet, uncover his feet, so he had a cloth over them, uncover his feet and lie down right there, and he will tell you what to do. Here's the third piece of advice that Naomi's giving her. You ready? If you're going to fulfill God's promises, number three, take a risk. Take a risk. You see, what you don't realize is what this woman is doing, which is very uncommon in the culture of that day, she's asking a man to marry her. She's basically, by laying at his feet, she's saying, would you be my husband? This is an older man. This is risky because he's the kinsman redeemer, and we're going to talk about that next week. Kind of build an anticipation for it because there's some cool stuff there. But he wasn't the first in line as the kinsman redeemer, so it was possible that he couldn't even do it. So she was risking uh, being rejected. She was risking uh, ridicule and, and people making fun of her and slandering and gossiping her about it in the in the community. She was taking a big risk for God's promise. But that's what her advice was: is sometimes you just got to. Take a risk. Come on, how, many remember, how many guys remember when you proposed to your wife? Come on. Anybody remember? I've been married 27 years. I still remember it like yesterday. And uh, it, was, it was cool. Now, some of you might be here, and it might be the wife proposed to the husband. I had a woman come up to me and said the same thing. I proposed to my man, and he said yes, and, and you know, it all worked out. They've been married for a long, long time. How many of you know those are fun times? Come on, they should be fun times. But how many know? Even if you're pretty sure they're going to say yes, there's always that little bit of what if they don't, right? Now, I'll be honest with you. Um, this has been a fun season for us. We're stepping into a new season, changing it up because one of my kids got engaged. In fact, Tanner's right here on the front row got engaged. <laughs> In fact, we were in Australia and, and some of you saw Leilani on the stage here a little earlier and, and uh, she was there at Hillsong for two years and, and getting ministry training and, and uh, came home, started working here at the church and then we're in Australia and Tanner's like, you got to come to Australia right now and he calls her and gets a plane ticket and says come and then she arrives and then just a few hours later you can see from the picture they're standing right there with this opera, beautiful opera house behind Saying, Will you marry me? Let me show you another picture right there, right after it happened. Notice, see the ring on her finger. Did you notice when she was giving the announcement, she was like this? <laughs> uh, not, not really, not really. Here's another picture, and they're smiling because she said yes. In fact, we weren't actually there at the moment when it happened because they wanted it to be a private moment, but, but I got to see them right. After the big proposal, after the risk, and they just come in. um, In fact, make sure that it's loud enough for everybody to hear it. But this is right when they came into the restaurant that we had got ready for them after the big moment. Just take a look, real quick. Best day ever. Best day ever. Some of you are like, what does this have to do with the message? Nothing, but I'm the pastor and I can do what I want. Come on. Congratulations, son. Job well done. You took a risk and it paid off. Come on. When when was the last time you took a risk? Because when it comes to life and it comes to God's promises, sometimes you got to take a risk, I'll never, I'll I'll tell this story and then we'll move on, but I remember when the church had had grown a little bit and we had maybe a few hundred people, two, three hundred people, and we were out, had really outgrown the school that we were at, and we didn't have a lot of money, we didn't have a lot of people, but we knew we needed our own facility to keep the momentum and keep growth going, and uh, so suddenly God began to move and we began to to pray and, and look around and God opened a door but it was a big risk. The door was to move into a facility over behind Jack in the Box on Hasley Canyon Road there, Commerce Way. And uh, it, was, it was a big risk. And here's why it was a big risk. First of all, it was a miracle because if you don't know, in this town, you can't take a building that's a retail or industrial building and turn it into a church. In fact, at that time, they didn't allow it to the point that there hadn't been a church in 20 years that had gotten an, uh, uh, an exception from the city to do it. But how many know that we serve a big God? And so God gives us an exception. But here's the risk. We went from a $6,000 a month payment for the school that we were renting and and all of that stuff uh, to five times the price, almost $30,000. How many know that's a big risk? And so we're like, okay, God. And I remember praying about it. I remember seeking God and getting counsel. I talked to our board members, and I talked to other pastors, and I talked to leaders, and I got advice, and I felt like this is a calculated risk. This is a God thing. We've got to move forward. And so we took this crazy risk to to step into a place with five times the the cost. And uh, what's crazy is it's awesome. We signed the deal, and then the good news came three months later. They announced the Great Recession. And churches were dropping in their income by 30 to 40%. But how many know that when you get godly advice and that God is behind something, when he gives you a vision, he'll bring in the provision for the vision. And can I tell you that in the middle of a recession, when other churches were closing their doors, um, moving out of facilities we more than doubled in size, tripled in giving, and got to a place where we were able to raise the resources and the foundational base financially with people and so on, God wasn't bringing us there. He was bringing us here. And he ended up bringing us here with the same payment that we had there because we took a risk. And now, how many years later? 10 years later, we started with 300. Now we have over 4,000 people in our church. We've seen over 42,000 people accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We're planting campuses all over we're starting churches all over why because when you take a risk and God is in it he can go exceedingly abundantly above what you even ask dream or imagine come on somebody say amen so change it up don't show your cards take a risk and then I'm going to give you the last thought you keep reading in the story in Ruth chapter 3, it says, then Naomi said, now what happens is, is she comes home, and she's like, um, mom, listen, you understand, he 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 said that he wants to marry me, And but there's some stuff that has to happen. There's another kinsman redeemer and that he has to try to work it out if he can do it, and I don't know, what if he doesn't do it? What if for the next several weeks, he said he'll take care of it, he'll work on it, but what do I do now? Do I stand um, by his door when he comes out every morning? I got my perfume on, and I smile, and, you know, and, and blink my eyes, and keep reminding him, because what if it doesn't work out And now guess what the advice she gets from her mother-in-law she says and Naomi said to her just be what patient my daughter until we hear what happens the man won't rest until he has settled things today here's basically what she said don't fall to the temptation to take matters into your own hands you can trust in God Remember, there's a right way to do that, and there's a right time to do it, and God has the timing, so don't get caught. You see, patience is part of the process. What does it say in Ecclesiastes? That there's a time for everything, a time to plant, a time to harvest. There's a perfect time for everything, so don't take things into your own hands, because let me tell you what patience really is. Simply this. Patience is not the ability to wait, but the ability to keep a good attitude while you're waiting. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to release his divine grace into our lives. But in order to receive it, we have to look at, look at, Linda, listen, Linda. But but, but the source that's speaking to me I'm struggling with, well, I'm sure that Balaam felt that way when the donkey was talking to him. Come on, y'all, still with me? Say amen because I think part of the process is that God's trying to through it all to teach us how to be people of honor. Now I'm gonna end with this because I mentioned it earlier that, that as I studied this passage, I discovered something. There was a, a division among scholars about the interpretation of this passage. Part of the scholars that study and have their doctorates and study scripture and interpret it, they feel like along the way I preached it to you that this was good advice from Naomi. She gave her good advice. I believe it's pretty clear. Just look at the advice and when you see all of the references to the anointing and to changing new seasons and to all the things that are there, to me it's pretty obvious that it was good advice. But some, they say, no, no, she actually gave her bad advice. And here's why they say that they gave her bad advice. The reason they say they gave her bad advice, um, Naomi did, was because, number one, that when she went to the threshing floor and she laid down to, to, to do this, that, number one, she was putting herself in a position where people could then start rumors and talk about Ruth and Boaz, And they would be marked with the scarlet letter. And so it was bad advice. It was too risky. Others say also that the reason why is that in some ancient cultures that when you would take the the cloth off of the man's feet at night, it was actually a proposition from a prostitute. So now it was scandalous and people would have something to say that there was something inappropriate going on here. And and so I began to meditate on it and think about it. I'm like, okay, well, what if that is the interpretation? What if I missed it when I was sharing it with the congregation? And then as I meditated, here's what came to me because it really in the end it doesn't matter because here's the powerful thing. The powerful thing is this. It's that if it's true that Naomi gave her daughter-in-law bad advice and then her daughter-in-law followed it, here's the amazing thing. That even if you get the wrong advice but you do it with the right heart in honor unto God, you still get the blessing. Come on. Because that's the message. Honor is the key that unlocks the favor and the blessings of God in your life. So you can even do the wrong thing. But if you do it for the right reason, it's unto the Lord with honor. God's got your back. In fact, if you read in Proverbs, look at what the scripture says. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know what I believe that means? I believe that if you and I will be honoring people And we'll live with an honoring heart. We can even kind of get it wrong sometimes. But how many know that with God, even when you get it wrong, you get it right. Because all things work together for the good. To them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. That's why God is saying, Linda. honor is the key that unlocks the blessings of God. Man, isn't that good to know? It takes the pressure off. I'll never forget when we took that step of faith to moving into that the facility, I literally said, God, I may be getting this wrong. I literally said it, but God, you know I'm doing it because I think this is what you called us to do. I'm doing it for the kingdom. So God, I give it to you. I think God sees your heart. God sees your honor. He sees that so much more than, I got this. I'm all good. I don't need your help. Honor will unlock the blessings of God.